0: Hello and welcome to the One Sealed Letter Podcast, where we explore the legacy of letter writing and bring this beautiful art form into the 21st century. I'm your host, Kay Collier, the voice and warm body behind this podcast, and Catherine Hastings and Company, our sponsor. For this episode, I want to make sure that you get to the analysis after the letters that I read. It's very important that you get to the analysis before you make any opinions. But I wanted to start first diving into the letters, and then we'll get more into the backstory. Fascinating story that we have today. Before we get into the letter, just a little bit of background on this. Um, Abraham Lincoln was married to Mary Todd. If you're reading the name of the episode and going, wait, who is Anne Rutledge? I thought he was married to Mary Todd. You are right there is a legend about Abraham Lincoln um, falling in love with a woman named Ann Rutledge before his marriage. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that backstory. For these letters, they would have taken place before he met Mary Todd. There's a series of letters, but I'm just going to read one letter from Ann Rutledge and then one labeled Abraham Lincoln. It's a little bit hard to read just because of the writing and the grammar. So I'm going to do my best. Hopefully it sounds coherent for you. This first one is signed from Anne. My beloved Abe, please do not come tonight. I am ailing with a cold. Ma says I must take a sweat right after supper. So I send this by Nancy. She is faithful to us now. Uncle Robert is going to Springfield tomorrow. He says he will fetch anything you want if you will let him in, let him know in time. I had missing you tonight, but Paul will often in prayer I get better tomorrow. I long no more for intelligence to come out of New York. You are all in all to me. He never persuade his love for me like you do. So tender and caretaking, I am full of happiness. Newton Graham says he will help me the half hour school after school. So, with your help, I can be enlightened in the year for the female college. If I can make it, Paul wants me to have advantage, same as David next term. I study hard with overflowing heart to make you happy, and I long to proclaim worthiness in your sight. I can write to you like you to. Me, the turn, trying to talk with everybody around, like it is almost always the case. I've been weaving this morning. Tilly is going to spin some thinner thread for me for my shams. Well, Nancy is done visiting with the girls, so I close. Think of me as I think of you, for I am thine forever. Anne, P.S. Come tomorrow night anyway. Mentioned, it's a hard to read. Just so you get a sense of how things are spelled, uh, Nancy is spelled Nance, N-A-N-C-E, and then capital C period. Things like says S-E-Z, can K-I-N, worthiness W-O-R-T-H-Y-N-E-S, even things like some. S-U-M, and so it's a little bit hard to read, even things like come tomorrow night, come C-U-M, tomorrow, T-O-M-O-R-O, and then night, N-I-T-E, anyway, E-N-Y dash W-A-Y. Very hard to read, but I hope you got the gist of what was said there. Okay, the next one is signed Abe. My dearly valued Anne, it greatly pains me to hear from Nancy regarding your condition. I am sending with her so you will know when she gets back that I will be over tomorrow early. I have been saying over and over to myself, surely my traditional bad luck cannot reach me again through my beloved. I do long to confirm the confidence you have in heaven, but should anything serious occur to you? I fear my faith will be eternally broken. Matt told me you do not wish to worry about the black cat crossing my path three times the other evening. I faithfully promise, if you will hastily recover, to do away with any, quote, jinx you do not favor. Allow me to express the hope that the close of day will find you much improved. My fervent love is with you. Yours affectionately, Abe. tell that one was much easier to read very few spelling errors seems a little bit more modern in the writing so easier to read i got this letter or these series of letters from the atlantic magazine this was from their february 1929 issue title lincoln the lover number three the tragedy by wilma francis minor so question to you Do you think these are real letters or not? I mentioned at the beginning, make sure you get to the analysis. It's really important because, might not surprise you that much, these are in fact forgeries. The letters made a huge splash and then it turned out that they weren't real. The reason that I wanted to look at the idea of forgeries is because I've been thinking about that a lot in the art world anyway of forgeries and I have um, some fake antique seals that I that I have collected unknowingly. I also seek out fakes from Jean Voyez who is a man who made fake Wedgwood seals and I actually love collecting those because the quality is really good and the the story is interesting. With famous people particularly presidents There are a lot of forged documents out there. Abraham Lincoln has had many people forging his information. At one point in his life, he said something like, if you receive a letter from me, it's a forgery. I've even seen a modern version of that that says, um, it's a quote and it says, don't believe everything you read on the internet, Abraham Lincoln. And so it's just kind of a joke that there is a lot of stuff um, circulating from Abraham Lincoln that is fake. The same actually happens with JFK as well, and I'm sure with other presidents too. The myth of Anne Rutledge and Lincoln's love affair began after his death. The overall story is that he had fallen in love with her when she was engaged to another man. The other man had been out of town and in that period that Lincoln fell in love and purportedly said that she would... Mary Lincoln, when she was freed from her engagement to the other man, before any of that could happen, Anne Rutledge died. We do know that Anne Rutledge was real. We do know that she died. So that isn't myth. The whole question of the romance, though, is one that's just not known. The reason that the myth is important is because the understanding of Lincoln and his sentimentality and his writing ties in so well with this love story, the idea that he fell in love once and his heart was broken, and then from that he created his career and his impact in the world. So I think for a lot of people it's a very romantic idea that from this heartbreak Lincoln made something so good happen. The story of Anne Rutledge came out... In 1866, um, Lincoln's former law partner from Springfield, Illinois, William H. Herndon, put out um, statements of his accounts of Lincoln being acquainted with Anne back in 1833. He explained that Lincoln had boarded at her father's tavern. At that time, she was engaged to the other man, man, John McNamara, who was a very successful merchant who'd left New Salem and was going to be, you know, coming back, but Anne ended up dying, so he never returned during her lifetime. Um, in the absence of her fiancé, Anne fell in love with Lincoln and then again promised to to marry him after McNamara released her. Again, it's it's unknown what level of this is true. The historian Charles B. Strozer wrote, quick conclusion about this, um, and I'm going to read what he said. Anne Rutledge may have been Lincoln's first love and her death may have been prompted and may have prompted a severe depression on his part. But since there is no single thread of good evidence on the subject, the episode must be passed over quickly. So Charles, we will honor that and not dive too much into this because we really cannot know what happened. So then where did these letters come from? How how did the Atlantic end up publishing a series of pretty in-depth letters between Abraham Lincoln and Ann Rutledge? And then how did they find out they were fake? So first, the author of the article, Wilma Francis Minor, she was a columnist from San Diego. Ostensibly, she had been handed down these historic letters through her family and she wanted to publish them through the Atlantic. So she reached out to the Atlantic talking about these historic documents that she had and they flew her out to Boston. It was a very, well, I guess they wouldn't have flown her. I imagine she would have taken train. Anyway, they, they brought her out to Boston, wrote, you know, a series of articles and research, putting these letters out to everyone. It created a huge sensation. And after they were published, Historians who knew Lincoln's work well started to question the authenticity of these letters. I love thinking of detective work and handwriting. Um, What is it that makes something a clear forgery? How do they know? Turns out there are about four different things that they saw in these letters. So, first, the grammar. I mentioned that Anne's grammar and spelling was horrible, it made it very difficult to read. Abraham Lincoln's was a little bit better in this letter, but it still wasn't up to the standard that Abraham Lincoln would have actually written. There were misspellings, there were um, inconsistencies with adjectives and adverbs in the the letter, so the overall um, grammar would not um, align with other things that Abraham Lincoln wrote. The style of the writing was also different. So looking at the handwriting itself, the Atlantic didn't have any handwriting expert come in before publishing all of this to to see if they were authentic or not. The letters that Lincoln wrote had a more kind of rounded style. The forgery looks quite similar to his handwriting, but with certain letters, particularly the Fs, there is a sharpness to them, which was different from the way Lincoln would have written. Similarly, the Fs in the letters extended into the lines below, which Lincoln's never did. The spacing of the letters was also different. The letters that were the forgery letters or the forgeries, those start down about a fifth of the page. When Lincoln wrote, he would start down about a third of a page. And then the final thing that they thought, "Mm, this doesn't ring true, is that Abraham Lincoln signed it Abe. It's known that he didn't like the name Abe. He didn't go by that. So even though it seems more intimate, using the nickname for his name, he probably would not have written that in a love letter, given that he didn't like that name anyway. So I think it's really interesting that those ideas of grammar, the style of writing, the shapes of the letters, and then the content were all things that proved that it was a forgery. And I did wonder also, with a forgery, is there ever just one detail and that's enough to know? Or is that you have to kind of take this bouquet of evidence to figure out whether something is real or fake? So... What happened? Um, the Atlantic Magazine never redacted the article and they never published another article stating that it had bad information and that this was a, a clear forgery. Their issues came out early 1929 with all this bad information. And then towards the end of that year, a newspaper out of San Jose, California broke up on the story saying that these were fakes turned into a whole debacle, became a court case, and it turned out that Wilma Francis Minor, the one who brought the letters, wrote the article, had forged these letters with her mom. Her mom wrote them in a trance-like state where she was communicating with the dead, and maybe from that point she felt that they were authentic because they had come through the channel with her mom, but the handwriting... Um, in the forgeries and her mom's handwriting matched. So it was very clear that these were, in fact, fakes. And then Wilma Francis Minor admitted it. So it's just kind of an interesting story, I think, because the inconsistencies in the style were things that made it clear it was a fake. The thing that I find most interesting, though, the thing that I find most interesting, though, is that it took a while for experts to figure out why these were fakes. The first expert only had access to photos of the letters, and so it was hard for them to really tell. The second expert believed that these weren't real because they were so consistent with the records from the law law partner of Lincoln. Basically, this has been a whole legend with the law partner, and then here come these letters That corroborate everything so perfectly, the expert said, well, that doesn't seem right. It it shouldn't line up so perfectly. So almost the fact that they seemed so authentic made it um, really stand out as a forgery. And then the, um, the family of Abraham Lincoln, they obviously weren't alive when these letters came out, but they were alive when Herndon made these accusations. Um... And they never forgave him for it. Um, Mary Todd's oldest son, Robert Todd Lincoln, who'd heard of the lecture that Herndon, so Lincoln's law partner, had made mentioning Ann Rutledge, uh, Robert Todd Lincoln tried to persuade him to stop saying this, to stop lecturing on it. He said that Herndon was a, quote, hope, hopeless inebriate, cla- uh, quote, only a drudge, (laughs) quote, a dirty dog. (laughs) And so um, he, you know, he really believed that Herndon didn't really care for anyone but himself, and that he was spreading this myth about Anne Rutledge as a way to sensationalize Lincoln's life and make Herndon money for these speaking engagements, which to me, that actually seems quite plausible. So curious to hear from you, what do you make of these letters? What do you make of the story? Did you get a gut feel that they were fake? Um I tried my best not to give you too much of a heads up one way or another, but I find it pretty interesting um, how they figure out whether or not something's a forgery. Also, um in this research, I found other forgeries of documents from Abraham Lincoln. These were the only letters that I found, but the um, there were some forgers from the, the 1900s or or, or, sorry um, 19th century so 1800s who were so good at forging documents that those pieces have become collector's items in and of themselves so when I mentioned Jean Voyez the man who made these replicas of seals very similar if you're a great forger and you make something beautiful and it's historic it actually can become a collector's item I don't think Wilma Minor's letters uh, between Anne and Abraham Lincoln became collector's items. I actually don't know if they still exist today. Kind of seems like this story was forgotten. This happened, you know, a little bit before 1930. There was another article in the Washington Post in 1983. But other than that, it's a topic that hasn't really been touched on much. If you enjoyed this episode please share it with your pr- friends please be sure to subscribe write a review give it five stars let me know what you like about the podcast and if you have ideas of things that you want me to cover please send me a direct message and let me know you can write me on instagram at katherine hastings co or via email katherine at gmail.com